Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Our psalm this morning, of which we sang 16 verses, chanted, and uh, I'll be preaching on the whole thing, so don't worry, we won't stop short. Um, it's a, the third psalm in a set of three psalms that all begin similarly. Please turn me with, with me to Psalm 107 in your Bibles or in the Pew Bibles in front of you. In the Pew Bibles, it's page 412. The beginning of the second verse reflects the people that should be thus praising and thanking God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And this picture sets the stage for the rest of the psalm because we're going to see problems and redemption all the way through. In other words, let the church give thanks and praise. Why should the church gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south, give thanks and praise? The psalm is about to tell us, but allow me to outline for you a few notes of structure about this psalm. Firstly, please note that the refrain, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses, or a similar version of that refrain, is said four times in this psalm. Please note also that the phrase, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, is repeated four times in the psalm, imitating the opening verse of the psalm, which set forth that theme of thanksgiving and praise. We have four groupings here, north, south, east, and west. We have four groups of people dealing with the difficulties of life in our psalm. The first, verses 4 and 5, wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted in them. Note, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. Then the psalm notes God's redemption of the group of people, verse 7, and he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Followed by the refrain and imitation of the opening verse, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. This simple structure helps us to see the psalm broken down as the, as the author intended. Verses 9 through 12 give us the next group of people that, and what they are struggling with, those bound in affliction and irons. Verse 13, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. God has brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. And the remainder, or excuse me, and the reminder is next. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Seeing the structure really makes a difference in our reading, doesn't it? So let's look briefly at what we can learn from this psalm. Essentially, the four difficulties the different groups of people are having in this psalm are a wandering in the desert, a situation of imprisonment or bondage, a sickness, and a storm at sea. So those are the four difficulties that we see in the text. Now these difficulties, these distresses, can be seen literally 
as in many cases in the scriptures, or metaphorically, or both. For instance, wandering in the desert may be a literal wandering in a literal desert, such as in Exodus, or the latter return from the Babylonian exile. This text also has obvious allusions to New Testament stories and themes, though obviously written beforehand, so I perhaps I should say foreshadowings. It may be describing the journey of a reckless son lost in a distant country and already given up for dead. Obviously, it may also be seen as referring to all sinners in exile from paradise, wandering away from God and his grace, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, as Paul says. The next section, those in bondage, may easily refer to Joseph sold into slavery, imprisoned in a foreign land, and presumed by his family already to have perished. Or perhaps John the Baptist or Apostle Paul. But it may also refer to our own spiritual captivity. Father Neil notes that iron denotes the hardness of the sufferings and also the difficulty of breaking the chains of old habits of unbelief and sin. I was bound, remarks St. Augustine in his confessions, with no external iron, but by my own iron will. Thus the whole passage may fitly be explained of the condition of sinners who sit because of their determined perseverance in wickedness, in darkness. The psalm moves to the difficulties of sickness, and we can see many such instances in the scriptures. This psalm could be a prayer during the deathly illness of King Hezekiah, or could easily refer to the affliction of the paralytics in Capernaum and Bethesda, or the woman with chronic bleeding, or the lame man at the gate called Beautiful. For Jesus, of course, healed often and with great compassion and was and is particularly concerned with healing our broken spirits, engulfed and overwhelmed by sin. This part of the psalm is applicable to our own sickness of body, mind, and heart. When we see the storm in verses 25 to 27, by the way, I don't have time to quote it, but read it. It's, it's beautiful, poetic language. When we see that storm, it may refer to the storm suffered by the shipmates of Jonah or by St. Paul or by the disciples on the lake of Gennesaret while Jesus yet slept in the stern of the boat and they're freaking out. The fierce storm of the story may also indicate all of us as children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Oh, how manifold are the storms and the hurricanes of this life for most of us. The question remains one, do we cry out to the Lord in our trouble, and do we trust him to bring us out of our distresses? And two, do we give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men? It is not easy to have these two responses in the face 
of the difficulties of life. Right? Do I get an amen to that? I never say that, but... uh, It is not easy to have these two responses in the faces of the difficulties of life. In times of wandering in the desert, in times of bondage, in times of sickness, and in the storms of life. But these two responses, calling on God and giving thanks for his deliverance, these two responses need to be habitual. We need to practice them. It would be wise to remember this and these responses and to practice them daily. So that when the intense storms of life, the intense times of bondage and sickness and deserts, when they come, we'll be ready. So we have to practice in the little moments. In the moments that we ignore and the little daily habitual things that we ignore, because if we don't get it there, when the heavy stresses come, we'll be unprepared. Whoever is wise will observe these things, and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Our pursuit of God's wisdom with this psalm is to remember those four things and to remember the response of God's people and how it should be. Amen.